of all Champions League goalkeepers I've seen, and Carrius included, what about the fella in the goal for Villarreal? Carrius included is the worst thing any Liverpool <laughs> fan can say. That's the harshest. Well, Carrius was hopeless, wasn't he? OTB AM, live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Nathan Murphy is with us on the line. Nathan, good morning. Morning. So tonight, Jurgen Klopp has got a squad for this game, which has a few injury problems. If Jurgen Gilroy was advising him, they would all be rested. None of them would start. What will you do tonight if you were Jurgen Klopp? I think it's largely taken out of his hands because of the injuries that they have. So Van Dijk and Salah won't play tonight, but... The good news for Liverpool fans is it looks as though they may be available for Sunday, which would obviously mean that they'll certainly be available for the Champions League final. Uh, Klopp went off on one yesterday about the scheduling of this fixture, the cup final Saturday night. Why do you have to play on a Tuesday? It seems because the Europa League final is on tomorrow night. They have no choice but to play it this evening. But they did look shattered by the end of the game. And there's the emotional toll as well of going to penalties, of winning the FA Cup. I'm sure they did a mini celebration on Saturday night. And... He's just hoping that adrenaline will bring them through. He's hinted he's going to make widespread changes, but you can't change everybody, and he still needs to win this game. So you would expect that Matip and Kanate will start as centre-back. Maybe Chimikas comes in in place of Robertson to start at the left. Perhaps Joe Gomez gets an opportunity again at right-back, where he's done okay since uh, the opportunities he's had when Trent has missed out on matches. Uh, from there forward, Roberto Firmino's back fit again. Is he ready to start a game? Probably Jota didn't play the full game, so... Diaz, uh, funnily enough, because he arrived in January, you sort of think he hasn't had the same amount of games, but obviously he has uh, from his time in Portugal. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a front three of uh, Jota, Firmino and uh, Diaz tonight. And then in midfield, you know, does he go with Jordan Henderson again? That's probably where he's going to have to take the most risks, probably throw Curtis Jones in there. And maybe Navi Chieda gets another start. I'm not sure if he'll play Thiago back-to-back. Um, so that's maybe where he has to take... a. A little bit of a risk but we've you know, mentioned this numerous times over the past few months that like Liverpool have added depth in their squad now they have a little bit more in terms of options so tonight's the night where they're going to have to use them and whatever way scrape over the line it's probably a benefit in a way and uh, might uh, seem like perverse logic to say that uh, City drawing instead of losing the last day because it means that goal difference is you know, highly unlikely to be a factor now so tonight is just about scraping a win whatever way you can, rather than if City had lost. Liverpool would be going into tonight's game thinking, really need to try and win this 4-5-0 or five nil to bring it right down to the final day. And Nathan, how does it feel to be a Liverpool fan at the moment? I was with Billy Joe Padden at the weekend at the Derry Monaghan game and he had looked at his phone when Man City and West Ham were playing and he was on edge and then he had the phone back out and he did away and he had it back out and he said, God, Christ, I wish I never looked at it at all. So completely on edge. Are you a nervous wreck? Me? Uh, no, no. I, I was asked this last week. I, uh, while, yes, I uh, support Liverpool and support Liverpool, I can enjoy watching the football. You know, there's lots of matches that aren't Liverpool matches all of the time. So, uh, no, I, uh, I'm just fine. Uh, You're calm. With this. Yeah, I don't like it's out of Liverpool's hands, obviously, in terms of what happens. Uh, you know, Sunday, I'm sure, would be interesting. Presuming Liverpool win tonight, is it what the third time in seven, eight seasons that'll have gone to the final day between Liverpool and City, but with a similar scenario where City have to drop points or City have to lose? 
and they just don't do it. If you think back to, was it three years ago now, where I think Liverpool were playing at home to Wolves in the final day of the season, and City were down in Brighton, and Brighton equalised, and Liverpool were in front, and there was about a two-minute long period where Anfield was going wild, and it looked as though Liverpool might win it. And then City come back and do what they do and win that game easily. You wouldn't be surprised if something similar happened on Sunday against Aston Villa because you know, I think City looked vulnerable at the back against West Ham. Uh, Mikel Antonio was outstanding, really asked some questions of Fernandinho. Uh, Laporte doesn't seem to be a leader of that back four, that when Diaz isn't there, uh, doesn't look quite the same player. So maybe a Ings-Watkins strike force with the pace, in particular that Watkins has, can ask Villa some questions. But... I think the conversation we had is probably similar to this time last week, is that you don't sit down any time Manchester City are playing and predict that they're going to lose or drop points. But Liverpool are in a position, at least now, where they can bring it to the final day. And in a position where they're not relying on Manchester City to lose on the final day. A team can always draw a game, and with the pressure that's going to be on them, who knows? It'll be exciting, that's the main thing. When you look at the kind of the, the slew of fixtures that's coming up, and I guess just Liverpool kind of trying to get this season finally finished after all the games they've had to play does the tiredness in the legs give you concern ahead of the Champions League final at all or or does that feel so far away at this point that you know it's it's not going to be a factor at all that I don't know they're obviously they're obviously going to play a full strength team tonight and if they win they're going to do that on on Sunday and then you've got six days of a turnaround before the Champions League final is, is that fatigue at all a bit of a concern on the evidence of Saturday I think it's got to be well was there evidence on Saturday yeah like, well, sorry, b- bodies first... kind of like bodies being more injury prone. I guess is probably what I'm using. Well, that, that, that's that's the worry, and and there's obviously the comparison is going to be made with with Harry Kane. I think the one difference is that Kane had been out for a considerable period of time, so that if Salah and Van Dijk are fine, they're going to be match fit. Yeah, you know, it's not as if actually maybe a little bit of a break won't do them any harm. And Real Madrid have had the league sewn up. They have had a few weeks to prepare themselves to rotate players to make sure they are fully fresh. And perhaps in the last 15 minutes of a Champions League final, that becomes a factor. But they're going to have six days off between the last league game and the Champions League final. I don't think he'll go at full strength tonight. I think he'll use as much of that squad as he possibly can. And he's been making three or four changes in every game. So while there is fatigue and a long FA Cup final and a really intense, high-quality game is going to zap them, I think tonight is the night where fatigue will be a factor. Sunday, home, Anfield, final day of the season, uh, sun shining, a chance to win the league perhaps. I don't think fatigue will be an issue and I can't imagine fatigue will be an issue in the Champions League final. But Liverpool, when they're at their best, it's all about the start and I think that's what they'll target in the Champions League final is those first 20, 25 minutes to really get at Real Madrid, to get an early goal and to absolutely try and blitz them because if it does become a bit of a dogfight, like the FA Cup final where I thought Liverpool were excellent but couldn't get the goal in the first 25 minutes then that's what Real Madrid will try and do, stick in it, and then maybe nab it in the last half an hour. But yeah, I don't know, fatigue, they play a huge amount of games. Uh, Six-day break is probably as much as they'll have had all season for some of the players. So I, I, I don't think it'll be the deciding factor. You mentioned there some of the concerns that people might have had and still do have around Manchester City in the centre of that defence. Uh, obviously Laporte, Fernandinho at the weekend, Ake is an unused substitute. None of the substitutions obviously were, were used against West Ham United. Mm. It lo- looks pretty obvious that Manchester City have to strengthen that area. Uh, the question is whether or not they'll be able to, to strengthen enough to make that less of an issue next season because like, I mean, I mean that, that is the problem, right? I mean, it's Haaland isn't necessarily fixing a problem. Haaland is making something that's very, very good, even better. I, I assume, anyway, if you're a Manchester City fan, you want to see recruitment in that area and just be a little oh, bit... I don't know. Do no? you? I, I think, actually, I think defensively they've been stronger in a way that they've been in attack. Like, it, 
injuries are a major factor for teams and they're missing yeah. Diaz and Stones. Ruben Diaz is up there with Virgil van Dijk as the best centre half in the Premier League. You know, John Stones is also out. They still have Emmerich Laporte. He's choosing not to play Aki because he obviously has decided he doesn't want two left-footed centre-backs playing together and is trusting Fernandinho's experience. It's Manchester City. They could go and spend another £40 million on a Nathan Aki type. They could go and sign a James Tarkowski or somebody like that that's around and who can come in and play 15, 20 games a season. But I think generally City have been exceptional defensively. But when you're missing your best players, there's going to be a weakness. And... You know, it was Liverpool's problem last season. It's go down through that league and look at teams that are missing players. Arsenal, their decline since Thomas Partey got injured. Look what leads have fallen without Calvin Phillips and Patrick Bamford. And of course, there's other reasons behind all of this. But if you're missing your best players and you're always going to have to build a team around your very best players, there's going to be a bit of a dip. Now, that doesn't mean Manchester City are shambles at the back, but it does no, mean but- they're a little bit more exposed than they would like to be heading into the final day of the season. As I say, with the pace of and Ollie Watkins and you know Mikel Antonio really put it up. Like West Ham are a very, very good team, and Bowen and Antonio were both brilliant on Sunday. But that's is would Pep Guardiola much prefer to have John Stones and Ruben Diaz alongside Emmerich Laporte? Absolutely. But I'm not saying they're a shambles. I'm just saying that if you look at them compared to Liverpool, the reason why there's a goal difference cushion is because Manchester City have scored more goals than Liverpool. They've conceded the exact same amount of goals uh, at this point. And what Manchester City are after over the next little while is perfection. Like they've done everything. They've won everything. They've won the Premier League with 100 points. They've come close to, to doing perfect seasons, near perfect seasons in the Premier League. That what they're trying to make better is something that's already pretty amazing. So... I think they've obviously done that in attack. What if next season they're in this position again where he can't trust Nathan Ake because he's the wrong type of foot? He's like he's, he's a left footer. He's a, he can't be trusted on the, the right-hand side of the defence. What if they're in this position again next season and they're in a Champions League final? Like That's the sort of thing that will almost be used as a way of painting a Manchester City season as a failure because they're not going to win the Champions League if that's the thing that's holding them back. Like That's the, mar- the margins we're talking about here at Manchester City. I don't, like, I don't think anybody's suggesting that they're anything close to a shambles. No, no, but and I I understand what your point is, but and I don't want to get into you know is Guardiola a failure because they haven't won the Champions League, but how much do you need as a manager? If the conversation after the semi final defeat, oh, if they had an Erling Haaland or if they had signed Harry Kane, they have unbelievable talent in every part of the pitch. You shouldn't need the eleven best players in their position in the world to be able to win a Champions League or to achieve perfection in the Premier League. So Erling Haaland, yes, will come in and maybe will even transform Manchester City's attack to greater things. But they already score an enormous amount of goals. Mm. You say, so what are they going to do? Score 140 goals next season and win every game 5 or 6 nil? Possibly. But they have options at the back. So what do you do? Go and buy, spend 60, 70 million on another centre-back next year so that you have Diaz... Laporte, uh, Stones, a new signing, and Nathan Aki is your fifth choice. Maybe they do, and Manchester City have the means to go and do that. But I think they should, and they can still, pull a team together that can get a job done over a couple of matches when they're stuck. And maybe he does change his mind and go, you know what, Nathan Aki, I will trust you. I'll play Laporte on the right-hand side. I'll put you on the left-hand side. And let's just hope it works for one day. But, you know, a couple of injuries shouldn't mean that and we're not saying they're falling apart, but this idea that for Manchester City, the answer constantly has to be, we need to spend another 60 or 70 million for those one or two games where we just have a couple of players missing. I, no, I, you get through it, get the job done, Fernandinho leaves, 
Uh, I'm sure they'll sign a midfielder or a centre-back, uh, depending on what they want to do with Fernandinho's replacement. But you need to be able to survive a couple of games, at least, with a few players injured. Yeah, I think it's important to have rotation. Obviously, we talked about the, the amount of games that they're playing. So, of course, it is important to be able to rotate players and have just as good a team with those lads coming off the bench. But we even seen it with like the likes of Man United at the moment with all these superstar players. So, I don't know if bringing in more players into the mix, that you know, as, as Nathan said there, maybe a midfielder or that, but sometimes you need to work with what you have you know keep going with obviously it's working at the minute for them to to not uh, upset the structure that they have at the minute because um you know it it seems to be working well because sometimes you you could have that issue of bringing people in mm. and then it upsets the whole dynamic maybe they go and they sign Nathan Collins young up and coming center half brilliant with the ball at his feet comes in and plays 15 20 games a season and establishes himself over the next two or three years yeah, actually, this is probably the time of the season where we get your goal-scoring chart for Irish footballers in the Premier League. Well, it's not pretty. It's, it's, it's I was not trying to ask, pretty. is it more or less pretty than last season? Uh, it is pretty. less pretty. It's less. I, I think um, I was looking at it the other day, and it's obviously a few matches. You know, Shane Long has a very good record through the years against Liverpool. Maybe tonight is the night that Shane Long finally breaks into the top ten all-time Irish scorers in English football. Maybe tonight is finally the night for Shane Long. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to probably be the lowest on record for Irish players in the top flight. I don't think anyone's got more than two goals so far uh, for Ireland. Nathan Collins has obviously been our main goal threat. Shane Duffy dropping out of the side probably hampered his ability. But, it, yeah, it's been a real struggle for, for goals at that level. Obviously, you drop down slightly in Champions League Championship and there's plenty of players uh, scoring goals there. But, yeah, in the Premier League, this is a pattern that's been going on for four or five years now that you know, Irish players just cannot get goals at this level. It would be amiss of us to talk Premier League and not invite you to join the pylon on Arsenal Football Club. So <laughs> say what you want to say, Nathan. <sighs> I, I'll go with the John Giles line of you've got to take each game as it comes. And if you had sat down with Arsenal fans at the start of the season and said with a couple of games to go, two wins would get you Champions League football uh, you know, against Newcastle and then at home against Everton, I'm sure they would have thought, yes, actually this has been a really productive season of growth, of young players coming through and establishing themselves. But the position they found themselves in over the past month to blow it from here could be incredibly damaging. Yeah, to have lost, what, six of their last 11 games. I do think the injury to party came at just the wrong time. And unfortunately in football, it moves fast and there's no guarantees that the progression Arsenal make is going to continue next season. Yes, they have Saka and Smith-Rowe and Odegaard and Martinelli, but they still don't have a striker. They have to get that right. The rights, the wrongs of what happened between Arteta and Aubameyang, you know, who knows, it looked for a long time like Arteta was in the right, but now you know, they end up relying on Eddie, Eddie Ketia for the last seven, eight games of the season who they clearly didn't trust or have never really trusted up till then and not getting reinforcements at the back. Ben White felt like he was hung out to dry a little bit last night. He's had a really good season, but just didn't look fit. And while I'm sure Mikel Arteta will say we're ahead of schedule and where we want to get to, there's no guarantees that next season they'll be in this position again because Newcastle are going to go and invest massively. You know, Leicester, I'm sure, will come back and try and strengthen as well. So this was a, a huge opportunity. But they've had a good season. They've definitely had a good season. And those players, I think, mean there's something to be excited about. But it just feels like it's a um, a huge missed opportunity, albeit maybe good for the Premier League, because Tottenham are far, far better in every part of the pitch than Arsenal are. 
It's, it's hard to disagree with that. Uh, we will have, obviously, live commentary on Sunday and we'll be bringing you up to speed on everything that's happening on the final day of the Premier League. There's obviously going to be a bit of drama at the bottom. How do you see that storyline going? I'm, I'm never sure on predicting what's going to happen at the bottom of the table because different teams are in different places at the end of the season. Uh, right now, I think Leeds look the most vulnerable, even though they do have a point more than Burnley. The fact that Burnley have that game in hand on Thursday night against an Aston Villa side who don't have much to play for. And then Newcastle, it felt like their season finished last night. So I think Burnley will get a point at least. And then Brentford Leeds has 4-3 one way or the other written all over it. It's, it's who can keep their emotions in check. It's been really noticeable, I think, over the last couple of weeks that so many of those teams at the bottom have been getting red cards and been getting caught up in a lot of scraps. Obviously, Leeds, like when you think the way Arsenal have imploded in a way for Leeds to be 2-0 down and the game gone inside a quarter of an hour is a terrible sign they've had a lot of red cards their heads seem to be completely gone I thought Burnley against Tottenham was an opportunity and again came a real scrappy match there was a load of flashpoints there was a load of pushing and shoving at different times and likewise Everton down to nine men at the weekend so I think Leeds because I just wouldn't back leads to get anything from that game against Brentford and I think Burnley will get at least one point from their last two and Leeds goal difference is, is far worse off but it's a shame in a way that Arsenal didn't get something from last night because Arsenal Everton if it was all at stake at the Emirates on Sunday would have been one of the great final day games uh, whereas now it feels it's probably only going to mean something for Everton if even that because Everton obviously can win and be safe against Palace at home in Goodison on mm-hmm. Thursday night so if you were to force me into a decision I would say Leeds yeah, Arsenal blowing it at home against Everton in the final day of the season would have been way more dramatic. <laughs> that would have been far better for the uh, you're a scar- you're, You were scarred for a long time from this trip to Tottenham on Thursday night. Yeah, I think I've just been scarred forever. It was just like the first time in a while that there was just a slight sense of belief. I never believed. I never believed at all. And I was vindicated when they went on that losing run against Crystal Palace and wherever they lost. I was like, I was right all along about Arsenal. I was right about you. And it was just, that, it was just those wins at the end of last month and into the start of May before the Tottenham game, basically, where I was like, this thing could happen. This is a four-point cushion with, with three Absolutely. games left. Yeah, more points. Well, they haven't drawn left. enough games. Like that's what's they lost them, a really, lot. Is that everything is winning or losing? Yeah, and they've had what three draws all season. I think they've had one draw since September. So you turn a couple of those defeats into a point, and it's still in Arsenal's hand. Yes, that does make it uh, a lot harder to take for sure. Very quickly, Nathan, who are you looking at for the USPGA? Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth. Okay. Jordan Spieth's going for the career Grand Slam. Yeah. We often talk and spend eight months talking about Rory and the career Grand Slam at Augusta. Uh, Spieth has won everything else and he's coming in to the PGA in red hot form. He finished second last week. Uh, he has played two tournaments. He's been the best player in the field in both tournaments. Uh, this course looks perfectly set up for him. So I think there's a brilliant opportunity for Spieth. But, you know, Shane Lowry is in the form of his life. He's, you know, top 10 player in the world in form this year. The only thing against Lowry is that he hasn't played a lot since the Masters. He's only played once in a team event. So thought he might have played maybe even last week. But he's finished top three in his last two tournaments at Hilton Head and Augusta National, two great golf courses. So I think Lowry will expect to go very, very close. So... They're the two I'd be keeping keeping an eye on. And Scotty Scheffler, who is the world number one, who is just winning, performing behind him. He's won at this course before as an amateur. Uh, and, we, you know, we do spend a lot of time on Golf Weekly looking at everybody else, and then you forget about the best player in the world, and there's every chance Scotty Scheffler just turns up and, you know, wins again. For sure. Nathan, enjoy it. Thanks a million. Thanks, guys. OTB AM with Gillette. 
Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 